Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. My name is Jason, and I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. If this is your first time here with us, we're so glad that you're deciding to spend the morning with us this, today this, on this slightly dreary August weekend. We're hoping that September is the bounce back month, right? That August hasn't been all that we hoped for, but September is a little bit brighter, a little sunnier. But that also means that fall is not going to come as soon as we think. And that's what we're hoping for along the way. Though I know some of us said PSLs in a response to the things that we're excited for when it comes to fall. I won't name anybody, Benji. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I had the opportunity to spend the last two weeks in different places. I was in Calgary two weeks ago spending time with my parents. And then this past week I uh, was at Horizon Church. And you guys had the privilege of having Shanda with you. And we love Horizon Church. One of the things that we've been blessed with here, out here in the Lower Mainland, when we moved, we had no friendships, no church connections, no, uh, no anything really to lean upon or to hope for in that exact moment of moving out. We just had this faith that this is where we were supposed to be and that God was going to provide along the way. And one of the things he's provided along the way is amazing relationships with churches that have decided that they are wanting to be part of our story. And Horizon Church is one of those places. So it felt like family this past Sunday that we, I got to spend there. I got to be there with lots of great people, with the women I love, with pastors that I so appreciate that are part of my story. It's just such a great thing that we got to be a part of this past Sunday. And I know that Shanda began this conversation for you around the idea of wilderness. And so she was in Luke chapter 4 talking about the idea of how does the wilderness uh, look like in our own stories and how, are we, how should we walk through them and what should we do within them. So I know it was a meaningful Sunday for uh, our congregation and I would love to say that I had like this exact heartbeat on what we needed to be talking about as a church. But it just happened to be that Luke 4 fell upon that Sunday, and then afterwards I heard that it was a meaningful topic for us to be navigating as a church, that it felt in season, that it felt like a conversation we needed to be having. So we're going to continue the conversation about wilderness this week uh, and stay in Luke chapter 4 and the temptation of Jesus specifically. But I think there's lots to learn about uh, what it looks like to live in the wilderness. And, and I don't know about you, but I have not, I don't always know exactly what to do to get out of the wilderness. And then when I figure it out, I kind of pocket it and I say, next time I'm going to be so much better. And then the wilderness shows up again and I'm like, I still don't know where I am. I still feel like I'm in the middle of a desert and all the sand dunes have shifted. The landscape does not look the same as I expected it to be. And therefore, my plans, my thoughts, my systems, and my strategy are not going to get me out of this wilderness. But I think the story of Jesus that we're about to go through, it exposes for us this tension in transition. This tension that Jesus goes through in the midst of transition. And I think for us as a church right now, there's a lot of transition taking place. A lot of change within the actual church body, but also within schools and within workplaces and within families. There's a lot of transition. And, and whether we like it or not, transition always comes with a little bit of tension. That change we don't particularly respond well to. Maybe you do. 
and it's just me, but I know for myself, when I have to experience change, and especially when change is forced upon me and I don't have a plan around it, change is difficult. And, and it provokes me in a way that I'm not always proud of. And then I end up in this place where I don't know exactly what to do next. But I, in this conversation that we're going to go through, with the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, I think a lot is revealed for us to learn from and apply in everyday lives. So uh, you can follow along with the big screen in the sky. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Bear with me. We're going to go through 13 verses. And it says here, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I love that the Bible says he didn't eat for 40 days. And, of course, he was hungry. It's really simple. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Often one of the temptations that we're given in the wilderness is out of a place of need. We have visceral needs in our life and the things that the devil tries to tempt us with to compromise our integrity, to compromise the things that we value are based out of a need in those moments. He goes on to say, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, taunting Jesus. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Pause there for a quick second. We just, what we just read is actually Satan quoting scripture to Jesus. Now, not only is that ironic, but it kind of gives us some perspective for today. How sometimes the things which are meant for good can be used for wrong. And if we're not, we don't have a sense of awareness of the words that are being spoken in our story from who they're coming from and the perspective they're being given, they can, they can push us in a negative direction. Because how you approach and how you apply the word of God is critical because if you have the wrong approach or the wrong application of the word of God, you can actually manipulate scripture to say whatever you want it to say. It's exactly what the enemy is doing here, in fact. It's the trick of the enemy to get you to adjust the word of God to fit your life instead of adjusting your life around God's word. Let's continue on to verse 12. And it says, And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. God is, whether you like it or not, deeply committed to you. God is pursuing you. God loves you. God cares deeply about having a relationship with you. And this is the truth of, of this book. And it's the truth of moments in my life. But I use the word moments really carefully there because there are also moments of my life where that doesn't feel like a truth. That doesn't feel like my reality, where my wandering and my feeling of wilderness doesn't make it feel as if God is actually pursuing me. 
where I'm in a place of, of turmoil or confusion because life has not continued along a path that I had beautifully constructed in my mind of how it should go and what it should look like and who I should be with. But it hasn't gotten exactly as I planned and now I'm in this state of, of confusion and uncertainty and, and a little bit of wilderness. And one of the main areas where I've experienced this greatest amount of unrest and I think is fairly persistent in society as a whole is like I said, it's any sort of transition or change. And I'm not talking about like you change your drink at Starbucks from, from a PSL to, I don't even know another Starbucks drink. Let's call it a flat white. You just, it's not, it's not as a little change like that. And we're not talking about like you just have a different gym that you're going to as you have your New Year's resolutions. We're not talking about that you're switching, switching from lettuce to spinach on your Subway sandwich. We're talking about change that when we think about it, kind of makes us a little bit uneasy, a little bit anxious, a little bit unsure if it's going to look exactly as we desired. It can be spatial change, moving provinces, moving places. It can be relational change, the ending of a relationship, the, the unrest that we can experience sometimes in family situations. It could be a vocational change. We have so much identity tied up in areas of our work often that when we switch from one job to another, we go through this sense of loss in the midst of that. How do you deal with change? What does, what does that look like for you? How do you actually practically and emotionally handle the feelings that change can invoke? And let's be honest, sometimes change is, is a necessary thing that we need to experience in life. To move forward in our stories, change is often necessary. And here's the thing, and it's the thing that I find interesting when reading the story about Jesus in the wilderness, is that Jesus is about to go through this necessary moment of transition. This is a moment that Jesus needs to go through. It is the beginning of his ministry here on earth. He needs to transition into the beginning of the next three or so years. Transition is necessary for Jesus, and yet unrest happens in the midst of it. Sometimes the necessary things you need to have in your life are not always going to be the comfortable elements that we so desire. Because isn't it, isn't it the reality? You don't dream about having discomfort in, um, in your life. You don't have these wonderful, fanciful dreams about, wow, it's going to be so great when I am upset about having to lose my job and find another. But yet, there are moments in our life where unrest is necessary for change to take place and for us to move forward in God's mission for our story. The tension is in the transition. And change can be one of the most crippling things that we can go through, or it can one of, be one of the most vindicating moments of your life that you can reflect back upon and see how God was actively at work in the midst of it all. So the reality of change is being experienced by Jesus in this moment. And one of the manners in which the Bible is organized, it uses uh, chapters and it uses verses. But sometimes when we're reading the Bible and we're reading 
isolated chapters and verses, we don't actually catch the full breadth of the story because we are reading about Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus in the desert. But just prior to this is a really significant moment that takes place. And we're going to jump actually over to Matthew chapter 3. And it says at the beginning of Luke 4 that they came from Jordan. But something was taking place in Jordan which was really important. So Matthew chapter 3, we're going to just read four verses. It says this. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my son, beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then the story continues. So Jesus has just had one of the most significant moments in, in the history of mankind where we have seen Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in his fullness is present in this moment. Blessing is called down. Calling is declared over Jesus in that moment. The Spirit is moving. And then in Mark chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, immediately after the baptism of Jesus, this is what it says. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And this fascinates me because Jesus has probably had the most powerful moment of his life where he has experienced the call of God, a declaration over his sonship, the moving of the spirit. And then immediately it says he was called into the wilderness. And I think so often our impression of Jesus and of Christianity and of our relationship with him is that when we have a moment with God, when we have our moment in the water, that life is going to forever continue on that trajectory. That because I've experienced him in that moment, life is going to be good in every single way. And how I felt in that moment is how I'm going to feel all the time. And it's going to be wonderful. And then suddenly life goes bad and we're like, God, where are you? Well, this is what it says. The Spirit immediately led him. So the Spirit was still with Jesus. But he went from the water to the wilderness in a heartbeat. Just because you are in a season of wilderness does not mean that God is not with you. The season of wilderness that you're in just might be the next step that you need to take after you've experienced the water. And the water can look a lot of like a lot of different ways, but essentially, it's moments when we experience God's declaration over our lives in our identity, in feeling loved, and feeling known. Have you had a moment like that? Where you can say to yourself, I have experienced the goodness of God in that moment. Often what the wilderness tries to do is it tries to make us forget our experience of the water. But the water, the moments that we share with God, the goodness that we get in those 
experiences. Those beginnings of relationship that we are invited into are so necessary for us to survive the wilderness. Jesus is being baptized in one moment and then he's in a battle in the next. He's in total comfort in one moment and then he's in conflict in the next. He's in community in one moment and then he's in complete isolation in the next. He's hearing the voice of heaven in one moment and then he's literally hearing the voice of hell in the next. He's in the water receiving a word from heaven and then he's in the wilderness in a spiritual warfare. Come on, don't, don't act like you've never been there before where life seems to be going exactly according to plan, and then suddenly there's a right turn and you're saying, God, where are you? What do I do in this moment? You seem so near to me and so close to me, and then suddenly I haven't even done anything wrong in this moment. Has Jesus done anything other than be obedient to the leading of the Spirit? And yet he's gone from the water to the wilderness. And the wilderness, the wilderness is basically any place that is lacking an availability of necessary resources for nourishment or survival. And that's why it doesn't have to simply be a physical, physical space because I know I've walked into emotional spaces where I have not found the necessary elements for me to feel nourished and filled up and empowered to live a life that I'm called to live. What does your wilderness look like? And do you have a moment that feels like that water moment where you experience God's goodness and do we leave them in isolation from each other? Because I think the way the Bible is, is pro provided to us in the story, the story of Jesus, it tells us something. That the baptism of Jesus and the temptation of Jesus are not meant to be independent, but they're actually interdependent. That the water needs the wilderness and the wilderness needs the water. That the purpose, that there is a greater purpose for your wilderness than just having you suffer. <laughs> that there's an opportunity for you to actually experience those three things that God calls upon Jesus in that moment. In the water, we experience so much. The water is the place where you find out who you are and whose you are. But please know that when the Father makes the declaration over Jesus, when he makes this, this statement, this is before Jesus has actually done anything. He has not performed a miracle. He has not walked on water yet. He has not taken five loaves and two fish and turned it into the first red lobster. He has not gone to the cross. He has not raised from the grave. He has not done anything to deserve it, yet he commits himself to the Father, and the declaration from heaven says that you are loved, you are a child of God, and I am pleased with you. What this tells me is that we, we need the water to remind us in the wilderness that the grace of God upon our lives is not dependent upon our performance. That the reality that you are loved that you are a child of God and that God is pleased with you is just as true in the wilderness as it is in the water. That the fluctuations of our life do not diminish the reality of the steadiness of God. 
that the declaration he made over you once is the same declaration he is making over you now. That you are loved, you are a child of God, and he is pleased with you. Because he didn't say it the first time because of the things that you did, so he's not going to stop saying it because of the things that you've done. Now, that doesn't mean it gives us a reason to, to set up shop in the wilderness. But that is meant to give us hope and to give us strength to keep walking. The Bible says that Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting the desert. And make sure to, clar- and make sure to clarify that we know 40 days, 40 nights, be aware. If you, you're going to do it, you're going to be hungry. And I believe with all my heart, just like Shanda spoke to you last weekend, the wilderness can be a dangerous place not because of simply the hunger it forms, but because of the hopelessness it creates. The wilderness, it, it, it wants you to forget about the hope that you once found. And when we lack hope in the wilderness, why move forward? Forward momentum, forward direction, moving through something requires something to move towards. We need hope. We are people who need hope. We need something that we believe is worth moving towards. And for so many of us, when we go through these valleys, through these wilderness seasons, we are being robbed of that sense of hope. We forget how God was once good in our story. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. But the thing that we need to do is we've got to keep walking. And it might not make perfect sense. And there is no perfect strategy to get through this valley. But all the psalmist is writing and declaring is that I will keep walking and I will fear no evil simply because I know that you are with me. In your wilderness season, when whatever you're facing right now, you need to simply hold on to that truth that he is with you. That that declaration that was made over Jesus when he comes out of the water, that you are loved, you are a child of God, that's the same declaration that he has for you. He is with you in the valley, and he's just saying, keep on walking. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know you don't see exactly where it's going to take you. But if you keep walking, if you keep trusting, you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You will see the movement through the valley. So Jesus goes into the desert. He goes into the wilderness. And he spends 40 days and 40 nights and he's hungry. And he's moving through all of these these very human experiences. Hunger. Probably a sense of uncertainty of exactly how long do I have to be out here. This feeling of, of perhaps even being abandoned by the Father in that moment. Because God has just declared all these things and then he's led him into a desert and then he's not there anymore. Have you ever had that happen? Where you feel like God's spoken in your life and you're like, yes, I know exactly what it's going to look like. I know exactly what's going to go, what needs to go into this situation. I hear the voice of God. I got an idea what he sounds like. 
and then you don't hear them from again. The very first time that I heard this intense call to come and start a church out here in the Vancouver area, I had never heard the voice of God as clearly as I did in that moment. And my reasonable, rational brain wanted to fight it, and yet I heard it over and over and over again for three months, and I was like, I don't think I'm getting the hang of this. I know what he sounds like. I know what that feeling is. And then immediately after I said yes, immediately after I, in some ways, had come out of the water and felt God declare that over my life, it went silent for almost a year and a half of being completely uncertain if I was even pursuing the right things anymore because I didn't hear that voice constantly telling me something. But the water, the experience of God speaking over and over again was nourishment for me in that time of wilderness. Was it easy? No. Was it right in every moment? No. But I had this assurance of God being with me because I chose to remember those moments that he did speak. What can you choose to remember? What can you choose to hold on to? Because we need hope on the other side. The temptation of the desert is this compromise that we can make. It's the compromise of our integrity because of the lie of inadequacy. We are in the water given so much confidence and so much strength. But often what happens in the wilderness is those things are robbed of us. And the things that we feel insecure about and inadequate about suddenly rise to the surface. Do you notice that when life becomes a little bit more uncertain and unsure, those things that you think you've thought you've worked through, those insecurities you thought you've gone, gone over, they suddenly rise to the surface again. And then the question, then the temptation that comes around is, will you compromise your integrity simply to feed the lie of that inadequacy? The lie that you're not enough. The lie that perhaps that was the voice of God or maybe it wasn't. Maybe you're just playing tricks on yourself. Maybe you're not actually who God says that you were in that moment. Or maybe you've changed and he stopped loving you. The lies of inadequacy that would lead you to a place of compromise because the temptation that Satan brings over and over again is on our needs and our wants and our insecurities. Turn it into bread. Take the kingdom that's in front of you. Save yourself. It's the temptations of Jesus, but in many ways it's the temptations that we face every day in our wilderness. Will you compromise your integrity to get what you need in this moment? That short-term fix, that instant gratification that we are all so guilty of in this current society. The things that we want wanting to rush past the process so that we can get to the destination even if we feel that God had desired for that, that for us at the end. Or our insecurity. Do you really think that God would save you? That he would send his angels down to, to protect you? These are the temptations of the desert that try to have us compromise our integrity. One of the most frustrating things about the wilderness, and I'm just speaking honestly here, is that even when we get through it, so Jesus gets through the wilderness and, you know, comes out flying colors. Check, check, check. Responds really, in really great ways. 
gives us an example, gives us a model, and you're like, man, Jesus killed the game. He is now going to be able to move forward into his ministry. Things are going to be awesome. He passed the test. And then the very next scripture that follows has him return to his hometown and nothing takes place. Sometimes the temptation that we feel in the first season isn't going to be the last time that we have to experience it. That sometimes we have to go through the wilderness a couple times. But every time, God is with him. Every time, God is working through him. Every time, he is loved, he is a child of God, and God is pleased with him. And I think for so many of us today, you simply need to hold on to that. What would, what would it look like in your life if you woke up every single morning and you declared that over your life? That I know that I am loved by God, that I am a child of God, and he is pleased with me. How would that shift your perspective in the wilderness? How would that move you perhaps closer to his heart for you and make you believe that there is hope on the other side, that it is worth keeping on walking. The wilderness wants us to forget the truth of the water and to put the experience of God, the experience of his declaration over our lives into question. But the water is where we hear Father declare, I am loved, I am forgiven, I am a child of God, and he is pleased with me. The truth right there will change your life. In John 14, 27, it says this. It says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. He says, be courageous last, but he gives us peace first. And I think this morning, in the season of wilderness that so many are experiencing, the season of transition, that my cry, the cry of my heart for you and the invitation I believe God is giving us this morning is will you receive this perfect peace so that you can be courageous to keep walking in this next season? That you would hold on to the truth of being loved, of being a child of God, and of him being pleased with you. And you would actually keep walking because he has given you the peace to continue through even when it doesn't make perfect sense. Worship team, could I just have you back to the front with me? Romans 9, verse 25 to 26 says this. And it says in the message, it says, I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. In the place where they yelled out, you're nobody, they're calling you God's living children. I feel like that is what is happening in the wilderness for so many of you. That you have lost your sense of identity, that you have lost your sense of value, and it is as if people are yelling out, you're nobody. And then this morning, God wants you to know that, that you are his living children. How would that change our lives? 
what would happen if we actually allowed that to start moving inside of us? Would that change the way we think, the way that we interact, the way that we treat one another, the way we treat ourselves? I want to pray for people this morning. And I want to pray that you would find the strength to keep walking. That you'd be reminded of your identity in the water. And that you'd be given the courage to overcome those feelings of inadequacy that the wilderness loves to highlight. So I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just for privacy's sake? And I just want to pray for you. For those who are feeling like they're in the season of transition and there's an immense amount of tension around it. And it feels like a wilderness. It feels like they're still searching. And there is so much that you are just frustrated by. If this morning you want to find that strength to keep walking, would you just do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? see those hands across the room. Strength to keep walking through those feeling of inadequacy. Strength to keep walking when there's that shortness of breath because it feels like the busyness of life has overwhelmed us. That the wilderness seems endless and we don't know how much longer we can push. But the declaration of God over each and every single person here this morning is that you are loved, you are a child of God, and He is pleased with you. And He wants you to know that He's with you in that valley. So keep walking. So Father, we pray for every single person here that's just asked for your help. Whether in, your, whether in their hearts or with their hands, Jesus, we just know that you see into the very details of our life and that you know where we can just find you. I pray that you reveal yourself in the, this week that's ahead. That you show us how you're with us over and over again and you remind us every single morning that we are loved, that we are a child of God, and that you are pleased with us. And that gives us hope to keep walking. That gives us strength to keep walking. I pray for strength in our legs today. Strength in our spirits. Strength in our, in our emotional being. That we would discover you anew, and that there would be a passion that would put a little pep in our step. And that we would see the hope on the other side and keep walking. So for every bit of wilderness that is being encountered in this place, we pray that your presence would be so all over it. Financial uncertainty, family brokenness, relational turmoil. People who are searching for jobs and don't know when they're going to find the right one. People who are feeling such an uncertainty and doubt in their faith and it feels like it is just overwhelming their very being. I pray that there's peace that passes all understanding, a perfect peace that would lead them to a place of hope and joy in you. 
do it only what you can do. We declare your goodness over this place. We, we declare your strength over every single person walking through their wilderness. And I pray that this is a moment of water for some people. That they would hear the cry over their lives. That they would feel your presence in this moment. And that would be sustenance for their souls. Holy Spirit, just invade every bit of our lives. We invite you in right now. Thank you for who you are and what you do and what you declare over our lives. We give you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.